Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 185. The Fun Ideas Podcast is brought to you in part by Freaky Magazine. Hey kids, have you read Freaky? The magazine of weird humor for freaks like you. Freaky Magazine is a way out collection of weirdo comics, kooky gags, photo funnies, social satire, and surreal collage. 52 pages of insanity in the tradition of magazines of yore like Cracked, Plop, and Zap. Special offer for Fun Ideas listeners. Get a free sample copy in the mail. Made of smelly newsprint and smudgy ink the old-fashioned way. Just message your mailing address to theslowpoisoner at gmail.com. That's theslowpoisoner at gmail.com while supplies last. Sell now is Mark Arlo's latest book called Pac-Man, the first animated show based upon a video game. This book tells the story of Pac-Man phenomenon and goes through the entire history of the Hanna-Barbera Animation Studios, the history of the video games, pre-Pac-Man, the history of Pac-Man, the character, the video game, the spin-off, the merchandise, and the animated TV series. Each and every episode of the classic 1980s series is covered and examined. Plus, Mark Arlen covers how Pac-Man has been honored on various anniversaries, including the 40th anniversary in 2021. A fun read for casual and hardcore Pac-Man and video game fans alike, featuring many character model sheets and other images. Available online through Bear Manor Media, Amazon, and Barnes & Noble. Get your copy today. The Salem Paracon takes place November 12th and 13th at Salem State University. One of their special guests is Christine DeBell. You may know her from the movie Meatballs and also in Holy Terror, LifePod, and so many other films. She looks forward to seeing you again at Salem Paracon November 12th and 13th at Salem State University. Friends, have you tried Lee's Comics? Lee's Comics is better than the leading comic book store. Wait a minute. Lee's Comics is the leading comic book store. Based on arbitrary standards set by Lee Hester himself. Lee's Comics was named as one of the 21 best online dealers by PopOptique.com. To shop the Lee's Comics eBay store, go to eBay and search for Lee's Comics, Inc. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast when you order, and you'll receive a free bonus gift. As the pandemic is now lifting somewhat, I am making more personal appearances at shows in Oregon and California. 
Check my Facebook page as to where I might be next, usually working with Lee's Comics. I'm getting closer to finishing my Mad and my Turtles books. Another Monkeys book is on the horizon, as well as a book about TV animation studios. And look for more articles from me in Back Issue, Alter Ego, and Hogan's Alley, and various guest appearances on other podcasts, including those by Ed Rising, Hudson Ranney, Dennis Ball, Phil Hall, and others. My Pac-Man book is my latest release. Look for my Disney book and my Warren Kremer book coming soon. On today's show, we have a guest who's here to discuss working for Mad and his other artwork. Here he is, Pat Moriarty. Please excuse the audio issues on my voice for this episode. I'm sorry about that. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to another Fun Ideas podcast. And today we have a special guest, an artist, and his name is, I hope I pronounced this correctly, Pat Moriarty. Is that correct? That's close enough. Okay. How are you today? Um, I'm doing pretty good. I've been staying pretty busy. And, uh, you know, uh, honestly, uh, here in the Northwest, um, there's been a lot of smoke. Yes. And yes. Um, yesterday, <laughs> my sinuses were killing me. And there was this event that I had to appear at. And I was afraid I was going to pass out. But I got through it. Mm. And the air, the air is much better today. And my sinuses are much better. And so... Uh, I hope that's it for the f- smoke season. You know, I hope so it's too. Only been, so too. This last three years or so, I've been living in the Northwest since like about 1990, and we haven't had any smoke until like this last three some years. Now every summer, it's bad, and yeah. and uh, you know you you know you you can look at the sun. It's that it's that cloudy, you know, or that smoky that you can look at the sun. And, and the sky's red and everything. It's kind of apocalyptic, it, it seems. <laughs> yeah. But today's okay. Yeah. I think the worst year, I'm in Oregon, by the way. If we, if I oh, and you're probably so, in the smoke, yeah, too. Yeah. So the worst year was the first year of the pandemic. So 2020, yeah. it was the pandemic and the smoke. And it's like it was this creepy red sky and everything. <laughs> we, we went through about five days of that. I, I live kind of close to Seattle. I'm in Port Orchard. Uh, which is west of Seattle. And we had about five days of that, you know, in, in 2020. And um, I blacked out. I, uh, 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 the fifth day, I was like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And um, I, I thought that if I go out and I got on a ferry and I got over the water and I thought if I get some big gulps of air over the water, maybe that's cleaner. No, it was worse. It was oh, worse. No. And so I got to the other side and I went to my friend's house and I blacked out. So now I'm like paranoid about the smoke. Right. But uh, so. Yeah, for me, I didn't. But uh, like Friday, I went to an event. I, I'm in Springfield. So um, I went to an event and ash was literally just dropping on my shoulders. So I put on the mask because I said, I don't want to breathe all this crap in my lungs. And uh, yesterday, I was just like knocked out i just could not get up i didn't black out or anything but i was just like all day we had this outdoor event and i was like one of the main guests and i it was like an outdoor block party and everybody could vendors can set tables up i almost just was gonna skip it i was like i but but i was a trooper and i showed up and and everything was okay so all right well i 
like I said, like right, I said before right before we started, we started um, um, I'm, I'm contacting, contacting you under the auspices of that you were a, a mad contributor, contributor. But, but you only, you only contributed, contributed like two things. things. So, yeah. uh, but you've done a zillion other things. So, I mean, it's like, that's what we're going to go on here. Yeah, I, I kind of jokingly tell people I'm like one of the last idiots of MAD. Because um, when they when they relaunched MAD, they started back to, to issue one. And they had the old-fashioned logo. Right, and right. Uh, Susie Splab was the art director. And I think she still is. But uh, yes. they... Um, they relaunched it and they did 10 issues and um the first 10 issues was all new material and and um susie you know pulled people in and and um she invited me to contribute and i was super excited it's like oh i get to be one of the idiots i get to be one of the idiots but then um after uh the the 10th issue they uh uh kind of discontinued it uh, well they didn't discontinue it they they, they switched it to where um, they were doing reprints, like theme-related reprints. Right, right. Um, you know, like uh, uh, all our Star Wars uh, spoofs in one issue or uh, whatever, you know. And, and so then it was like, ah, uh, I, I get in my foot in the door right at the last possible second, you know. Like uh, uh, if the whole uh, 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 history of MAD was 24 hours, I right, showed up right. at one second to midnight, you know, the and, um, state clock. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but I, I, I got to work with Dick DiBartolo and that was a big thrill for me because I was reading mad since a young, I was a young kid and stuff. And I guess never say never. It's like, they do have new covers. Right. And right. Uh, so um, I, I, I'm not holding my breath, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if I do something else for them. Right. Um, uh, right. I, I love Susie and I love mad. And, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, they loved what I did so far. <laughs> right. Um, but probably no more than me. You, you're yeah. writing a book, uh, right? I, I'm writing a book about MAD. That's that's true. And so uh, probably the similar person who has a similar story to you, and he's been on the show a couple of times, Andrew Goldfarb. Uh -huh. And he was like he was in like three in issues and then, and then done. And, and um, um, did, did did they show him the door, or did they just say, uh, or did he they just the phone stopped ringing? Or no, what? it was a similar, <laughs> similar situation. situation. We're, We're kind of going, going to reprint, reprint now, now and everything, everything like that. Like that. Interestingly, Interestingly, though, though there is an Australian, Australian ad, ad, and he and contributes, he contributes to, that. to that. Oh, <laughs> so, so. I should get a hold of them. Yeah, yeah so, so um, they're bi-monthly. They're not They're completely, completely new. new. They, do they do a lot of reprints, reprints too, too, but they do, they do more than the U.S. ads. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, I don't know. I, 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 I'm just glad I got in there. I yeah, just kind yeah. of feel like it was a bucket list thing, you know. And uh, but um, I, I, honestly, uh, I've been pretty busy lately. I, I, uh, I do a lot of record covers, and I do a lot of T-shirt designs, and I do a lot of uh, posters, and. Um, occasional comics i i don't do as much comics as i did in the past just mainly because um they're so labor intensive and they they pay so poorly you know uh that uh uh yeah it has to be a labor of love right to do it and um i do have some comics projects brewing like um for example uh you you're probably familiar with dennis p icorn I believe so. Yeah, he's like the the the, the Harvey Picar of the Northwest. <laughs> um, he uh, uh, 
he did a whole series of comics for Fantagraphics, and then he self-published a bunch of stuff in later years called Real Stuff. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely yeah. know that. And, yeah, and um, I probably uh, uh, collaborated with him as much or more than any other cartoonist. I mean, I did, it was in a bunch of issues of that. And um, he lived nearby. He, he um, passed away a few years ago. And um, he was in the process of putting a, a new book together. And uh, I was one of the artists working on a script for him. And after he passed away, it was like, oh, darn it, you know, and he was a good friend of mine and I was sad about it and stuff. But after a while, I started wondering who all was working on a, a story for Denny at that time. And, <laughs> and, and uh, I kind of started playing detective and I found a whole bunch of artists uh, that were working on stuff. Uh, Colin Upton and Aaron Lang and... Uh, there were just a, a number, a, a number of people, and and, and so I, uh, uh, Howard Shakowitz, and mm -hmm. a lot of the artists that he's worked with in the past. So um, uh, uh, I kind of asked people about it, and then I asked his daughter Sarah um, about it, and we kind of conspired to like, hey, we, as long as people drew these comics, like let's let's collect them and put out a post. Uh, uh, a posthumous uh, 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 book that Denny had in in, in the works. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, I was the art director. I used to be an art director at Fanographics, and, and and I did all the production work on the real stuff, the, the twenty issues of real stuff. So I kind of know Denny's tastes and 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 all that stuff. And I uh, uh, so I started contacting people, and I said, "Did you uh, did you draw that story? You know?" And and yeah. um, so people have been I've been collecting them now. And um, I'm waiting on like two other artists. Mm -hmm. And so then um, I'll draw up a cover and write the intro. And uh, then the, his daughter, Sarah, and I are going to uh, just co-publish it just uh, just because I love Denny. And he was a great writer. You know, he he uh, uh, wrote really pithy stories, autobiographical stories. And um, I had a, a, a five pager that uh, I had uh, started to work on. Mm -hmm. And um and then uh, uh, some years ago, I drew two pages that Jim Blanchard was supposed to ink, and uh, that was on ice. And I, I said, hey, do you want to ink that? And he inked it, and it looks great. And anyway, uh, 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 David Lasky and Mark Zingarelli and Donna Barr and Holly Tuttle and all these artists. So um, it'll be just like, and, and I'm keeping it up to the um, standards that Denny would have would have wanted so mm. so so that's something that's coming to fruition here soon now is that designed to be a final issue or just the first of an ongoing new series of them? well it's all the stories i could track down um okay. after this i mean i mean um like like i asked mary fleener about it you know like hey do you want to do something for this you know or do you have anything from from denny that you haven't drawn up yet you know, I, I had like three scripts that were just sitting in a drawer because I'd known him for so many years and so I didn't get around to drawing them all. So, uh, but she goes, well, he's dead. Why would I do that? He's, uh, he's, he's, it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. But, but, but these were stories that he had brewing that he expected people to draw, he even had the artist's name on who was supposed to draw it. Mm. And um, so uh, uh, I just want to finish what he started. I don't want to like exploit uh, anything after that. Uh, 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 who knows? You know, I know that he had a, a novel in progress he wrote and, mm -hmm. 
he had ideas and stuff. But 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 this is just stuff that was already in motion I see. I see. before he passed away. And so that's enough to put into like a you know one uh, one book. You know, so. And when is when that is estimated, estimated to be released? released? Well, there's no budget or deadline, so I can't pressure <laughs> anybody. You okay, know, I'm just okay. doing it for the hell of it. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's almost done. And um, so maybe it, sometime, probably, honestly, it'll be in 2023 because I still have to draw the cover. And yeah. I can't pressure anybody to hurry up and work for free. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and like I said, comics are uh, 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 labor intensive, you know, at least six panels per page and and, and, and maybe a 10 page. That's a lot of drawings. That's mm-hmm. a lot of illustration. Mm-hmm. And uh, w- one reason I don't really do comics as much as I used to is that like I can get uh, 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 compensated more for one image than an, an entire comic book, you know, from. Uh, true, so, true. Uh, you know, I've got, you know, I've got bills to pay and, and like everybody <laughs> else. And so, uh, you know, I, I, it's not like I'm just motivated by money. Um, uh, uh, but, um, well, I mean, I'm, I'm so, uh, yeah, and I'm somewhat in demand. So I keep getting interrupted from non-paying stuff to like do somebody's poster or like do somebody's, yeah, <laughs> do somebody's record cover or whatever, which I love to do because nobody tells me what to draw. Usually it's like, it's like, we, here's the name of the record and, uh, we don't know what the cover should be and you're the artist and, you know. I don't like to do those kinds of illustration jobs where they're super specific about what they want you to draw. Like, I want you to draw John Travolta in a convertible and he's uh, got a big head and a little body and he's going to, and I'm already like, I'm like, no, 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 I'm not drawing that. You know, it's like, I have to sign it. And it's like, it's going to look like I thought up your dumb idea and then I have to take credit for it. Right. So I'm like, um, uh, uh, the more you tell me what to draw, the more I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm kind of contrary that way. Um, uh, uh, it's still my artwork and it's still my vision. So I like to think up the ideas, you know, so that still makes it fine art to me because mm-hmm. I still come and come up with it from scratch. Right. You know? Right. So. Now, how did now you how get, did your, you get start? your start? I mean, I mean what did what you, did you go to any school or training or did you just suddenly say, I think I'll be a punk rock artist or whatever? Well, if you want to go way back, I always tell people this, but my parents were art students in Chicago in the 1950s. My, my, my dad, uh, uh, or the, yeah, in the 1950s, um, my, my dad was a cartoonist in the Navy and he had kind of yeah, a mad magazine-y kind of Bigfoot cartoony style. And so I was really influenced by like, and, and my mom was uh, drawing all the time, too, at that time. And so when I was a little kid, I thought all families drew, you know, and um, I got two brothers and a sister and we all drew. And I just never really stopped with that. But then also, you know, uh, my parents, uh, especially my mom, encouraged me. And, you know, I always thought when I was a kid that uh that cartoonists were respected and they were like actors or authors and they made a lot of money and that, but, but nobody bothered to correct me. And, and so now it's like, uh, it's too late now. It's like, I'm too deeply in, it's involved with, with cartooning. And um, it's just what I would, I've drawn ever since I was a little kid. It's like my, my parents have drawings I did uh, when I was like five you know, of cartoony stuff, you know, I used to watch the 
the Jetsons and the Flintstones and um, Milton the Monster was like one of my favorite shows and uh, all that flat, uh, 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 almost Hanna-Barbera kind of stuff was what was on Saturday morning cartoon shows that that influenced me and 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 Mad Magazine and uh, you know things like that. Did you ever Did consider, you ever consider being, being an animator, an animator or, anything or anything else? else or or what, 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 what was, was your, passion? your passion? Well, um, I went to school at Iowa State University, and um, I knew I was going to take out student loans, and so I knew I had to get a job, and I knew I had to pay those loans off. So I wasn't just going to be a fine artist and just sort of, you know, pay off my loans being a fine artist. I wasn't. I was like, I got to have a profession. So um, uh, I went in for graphic design. Mm. And um, that's kind of like what uh, uh, my initial thing was. And, you know, typography and illustration and design work. And, um, you know, that's sort of how I got started. As soon as I, uh, I, I, I was doing um, uh, uh, music related artwork and cartooning, you know, all the time, even like when I wasn't a professional, I was like drawing the cramps and Elvis Costello and Devo and stuff, you know, <laughs> I was just stuff that I was inspired by. But uh, when I uh, got out of college, uh, uh, I moved up to uh, Minneapolis because uh, I was into punk rock and all the punk rock bands would I'm from Iowa. I always like flyover territory for bands, or at least it was then. <laughs> and, and so it's like, if I wanted to see a good show, I'd have to go to Chicago or Omaha or Minneapolis or someplace like that. And um, I was really into the replacements and uh, the phones and the vers and these bands that would come um, uh, uh, down from Minneapolis. And so I made a beeline up there and uh, when and then I just started working up there. I, I, I sucked up to Twin Tone Records, uh, this this record label, and I did some cartoons for them. And I also did like uh, just paste up work and production work. This was kind of before computers were that big of a deal. And, and I became a guard at the Walker Art Center and, um, you know, met some artists that way and met other people that way and just got involved with the music scene. And um, I uh, uh, was doing cartooning for the local weeklies, the, the city pages and the Twin Cities Reader and stuff like that. And, um, I, and then I started freelancing for um, agencies and media companies and stuff there. And uh, I did uh, uh, really boring stuff at first. Like I worked at this place called Custom Laboratories and they made slideshows for business presentations and so I was making pie charts and bar charts and really <laughs> flow charts really boring stuff but um I was doing them with pen and ink and and and, and uh technical pens and stuff and then um eventually they realized that I was a, a cartoonist and they had like what they called wake-up slides and so like uh they'd throw cartoons in once in a while to wake up people that were getting bored with all the statistics and so pretty soon I became the the wake up slide guy. And, and I, and so I got to do all the cartoons That's and, cool. That's cool. And, and then um, uh, that sort of started me being a, a cartoonist illustrator. And um, then it's like, you know, fast forward to all these years now. And it's like, I've just, you know, done a bunch of stuff, you know, right. Um, right. 
Now you mentioned now you the mentioned replacements. The yeah, I can't, yeah, I can't speak. Uh, uh, the replacements, and then eventually, and then eventually did, did some work, some work for, them. for them. So how did that, how come, did that about? come about? Well, back in the 80s, when I was uh, uh, living in Minneapolis, um, one of my first freelance jobs with Twin Tone was, uh, this is how long ago this was. <laughs> Remember when CDs were brand new? Yeah. yeah. And they were like, oh, this is better sounding than records. This is the new format, blah, blah, blah. Well, um, Twin Tone was going to take uh, the replacements um, discography, at least from their label, and, and re-release them on CD. And so... Um, uh, my job was to make CD booklets out of their earlier records, you know, like Sorry Ma and Stink and Hoot Nanny and uh, all that, all that stuff. And um, so uh, that wasn't really much creativity. You just shrink it a big square down to a small square and, and then, um, you know, take the liner notes and make pages out of them and things like that. But so um, but I got a credit in there. And, and um, so I, I had uh, something to do with the replacements just by doing that. Mm. And then um, also uh, uh, Soul Asylum is, mm. was another label, a band on that label. And um, I was, got to be friends with their lead singer, Dave Perner, who was into underground comics. Mm. And uh, when they uh, re-released their stuff onto CD, um, they had extra pages that needed filled so uh that's when i like one of my earliest published comics was um on their uh uh, uh, uh clam dip and other delights oh, yeah. was oh, the yeah. album and, <laughs> and and they have like this uh herb albert spoof on the cover and and um part of my work was to like match that lettering and and uh when they put the songs in there and um then uh, in the CD booklets, there were some blank pages. So uh, uh, Dave Perner rode his bike over to my place and we kind of uh, conspired on some comics. And he, uh, we mixed uh, lyrics and in, in art together. And I did uh, uh, a couple of pages of comics that appeared in their um, CD booklets. And then I did a, a collage in one of their, in, in, in uh, Say What You Will, another one of theirs. So then I started doing that. And then um, I started like doing production work on posters. I did some stuff for the Magnolias. Uh, uh, and uh, I did some stuff uh, uh, when the Mekons uh, 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 were on that label. Uh, uh, so Good It Hurts, that album. Um, I, I designed a poster using some existing artwork from, um, uh, the, from the back cover, but I got to design the poster. And so then I started kind of doing that kind of thing. And then uh, there was another label uh, called Prospective Records, and there was a, a band uh, called Swingin' Teens mm. that was a local punk rock band. And uh, let's see if I can find it. I might have it here somewhere. <laughs> I pulled out a bunch of records in case. Oh, here it is. So th this was like my first uh, 45 sleeve. Um, let me get it out of the plastic so it's not so shiny. Yeah. Fire in my head. I've seen, seen that before. before. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> Didn't know it was you. Know you. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and then they also put out a, a, a 12 inch uh, uh, record that I did artwork on too. And that kind of started me doing, um, you know, punk rock type stuff. And then uh, uh, eventually, uh, I started uh, submitting comics to uh, Fantagraphics in um, Seattle from Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. And um, 
they so they started publishing um uh some of my stuff in their anthologies uh, graphic story monthly and and pictopia and uh, prime cuts those kinds of anthologies that they had and so uh around 1990 um i helped a, a friend of mine from minneapolis another museum guard from the walker art center I, um, he moved to portland and so I, uh, I helped him move just out of uh, adventurousness to see what the northwest was like and um i stayed with him for about a month down in portland and while i was there i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna jump on amtrak i'm gonna go up to seattle i'm gonna meet those guys at fanographics and I'm going to uh, uh, try to get them to publish some more comics because I wanted to be a cartoonist more than anything. And, and um, but to my chagrin, they were more interested in my graphic design skills than uh, my cartooning because I hadn't had a lot of experience yet. And, and I was still pretty much unknown uh, other than just certain things. And, um, but their art director, Dale Yarger, he was like, you guys should hire him to, we need him here in the office to, and, and I didn't really want to do production work. I was already doing some of that stuff in Minneapolis and it was like, it was, you know, I would do it, but it wasn't really my, my, my intention, but um, they offered me a job and I had to like, think about it. And I was like, God, this could be a way to get my foot in the door. And, and uh, eventually I became an art director there. And then I did like learn a lot more about cartooning because like, people like R. Crumb were walking in the door and people that, uh, you know, he heroes of mine. And I was getting advice from people and, and, and um, about how to do it. Right, and, right. Um, and Fanographics kept publishing my work while I was working there during the day, I was moonlighting as a cartoonist. So I was younger, <laughs> I could stay up all night and draw and then go to work all day. And um, so then, uh, uh, Starhead Comics. Are you familiar with Michael Dowers? And he was a, a, a publisher in Seattle uh, uh, at the time. And and uh, he published. Uh, he's the one that really wanted me to, to, to wanted to publish me like Fanographics because kind of indifferent to me at first, because like I said, I had no experience. I had no reputation or anything. Yeah. And um, but Michael Dowers saw something in me. And, and so he published uh, Big Mouth Number One, my very first comic book. And um, that was like uh, uh, the reverse of American Splendor. You know, Harvey Picar wrote autobiographical stories and he had different people draw them. Well, right, right. I thought, I know, I'll do uh, uh, the opposite. I'll have a bunch of writers and then I'll illustrate the stories. And, and so uh, I had met Harvey Picar when I was still living in Minneapolis because I went to the O'Hare airport in Chicago when there was a comic convention there. And I showed him some of my early work and he was like, oh, this stuff's pretty good. You ought to call Fantagraphics. They, he kind of put Fantagraphics on my radar yeah. and um, helped me finish this uh, story that they published. And so then uh, when I was actually working at Fantagraphics, you know, and got this uh, uh, comics thing with Starhead, um, I asked Harvey if he would write a story for my first comic book. And he said, sure. And he wrote the introduction to Big Mouth number one. Wow. wow. And then um, and then one time when Crumb was in the office, um, uh, uh, I was like, hey, I'm working on a comic book. Harvey Picard wrote the first story in it and I've got some other stuff. And so he goes, oh, that's interesting. 
you know, and then like a while later, he mailed me a story or a crumb. It's like, I was like a nobody. And, and, and so he sent me this story and I was super intimidated. I was like, oh my God, I don't think Crom has ever written a story for an artist. I know he's illustrated other people's stories, yeah. including Harvey, uh, <laughs> but, uh, mostly Harvey. And, and, and so uh, I, I had Harvey Pinkar and R. Crum in my first comic book. It was unheard <laughs> of. It was unheard of. So those guys kind of launched me, really. And then um, eventually uh, Dennis Eichhorn uh, uh, wrote something and uh, he had connections with uh, Charles Bukowski. Oh, yeah. and, 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 and so he was sending big or he was sending comics to Charles Bukowski. No, Charles Bukowski saw something I did in real stuff. This story <laughs> called Death of a Junkie. And um, that was what uh, uh, real stuff was one of the anthologies that Fanographics was publishing a lot of my work in. And, and, and uh, Bukowski was a fan of Denny's comic. And he wrote, he, he wrote Denny a letter and said, hey, if Pat wants to illustrate any of my stuff, I'd be honored. And I was like, what? So, there, so, <laughs> wow, wow. so, so now I have all these super big names in my, and, and, and some people were like, why, why is this guy landing all these writers? Uh, this doesn't, but uh, I was just lucky. I was just lucky. And, and uh, my, my first uh, couple of comics, honestly, weren't really all that good, but they were good enough to keep it going. And then um, Fanographics published Big Mouth, Big Mouth number three. And um, so then I kept moonlighting and doing the comics. And uh, I made it to about issue seven. <laughs> and uh, uh, by then um, I started getting freelance work with like Nickelodeon magazine. And I was doing some, illust- I did a couple of things for details did a couple of things for, and I started getting the idea that uh, maybe I can just be a freelancer, you know? And, and uh, so I, I ended up, I worked at Fanographics for about eight years, okay. Um, okay. about 90, 91 to 98, something like that. And um, then I, uh, I quit and I just, I honestly haven't had a real job since, <laughs> since then, uh, other than being an adjunct, uh, professor at the uh, Seattle Art Institute. I taught occasional classes there, about one class per quarter in, um, in their animation department. And I taught comics and creative writing and, uh, and then eventually storyboarding and then making animatics. So like I had to uh, educate myself about animation to regurgitate it back to the students you know and it was real similar to comics it's like storyboarding is just like comics except the words are under the panels instead of in the panels right you know and um so uh that's how i kind of started getting into animation and and so um i've just been looking for gigs ever since really just uh (laughs) You know, whatever. And then eventually I did an animated uh, music, uh, official music video for the replacements. I just did it. I just did it about six months ago, actually. And um, they re uh, Rhino Records re-released. Sorry, Ma, forgot to take out the trash. I think it's their first full length album. Mm -hmm. And um, so then um, they wanted to uh, celebrate it with uh, music videos. The replacements were famous for not wanting to do music videos or not wanting to be in music videos. You know, mm-hmm. if you ever saw one, it was just like a close up of somebody's foot or somebody's finger on a 
armchair they wouldn't show the band and um but uh, uh, uh paul westerberg himself approved my my storyboard um and uh, uh i did a really rough storyboard for the song shut up and um it was a song that they used to do to try to like clear the room at the end of the show they like if they were just it was super obnoxious song and um so i um uh, uh did that and and he approved it and so then uh you know i did that i had to do it in three weeks i pretty much had corporal tunnel by the time i was done with it. uh <laughs> you know a big stack of paper and it was all pretty much like uh, uh just all in pencil really yeah. loose and rough but um it turned out really good and i'm really happy with it and they like they liked it and it's you know got a jillion views already and stuff so um yeah anyway i guess i'm going oh, sideways that's cool, that's cool. Um, um quick question, quick question about, about uh, uh fan graphics. graphics did you, did you work, work on, on comics, comics journal, journal at, the, at time? the time yeah i was the comics okay. journals art director for okay. three okay. years yeah dale yarder was their art director and then he went on to uh be the art director of uh seattle's uh, weekly the stranger Okay. And okay. Um, I was the co-art director working with him. We were good buddies. He, he's deceased too, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, 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 we, we were really good buddies. And Dale pretty much like, you know, educated me. And um, so uh, when he went on to The Stranger, then I stepped into the uh, art director uh, chair there for, or, or, or for, for the Comics Journal. And um, Dale had done his logo for the Comics Journal, and then it was a new era when I took over, and then I designed the new logo, mm -hmm. and um, I put the covers together, and I laid out the pages, and um, all that kind of stuff, and that, that took up a whole bunch of my time, mm -hmm. and um, that's what I was doing up until 98 when, when I uh, decided to well, it was like a math problem again. It was like, I'm getting all these freelance jobs that I have to turn down because I'm working my full-time job that doesn't pay that great. And, and, and I'm um, doing all this work promoting other cartoonists, cartoonists I love, like, you know, you know Peter Bag and Dan Klaus and all those guys were like uh, artists that were way higher up the tier and more experienced than me. But, um, you know, I was doing production work on their books and doing the comics journal and stuff, but I wanted to be a cartoonist. Too, right, right. Know? And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, uh, uh, so I, I, I quit and, uh, uh, and started working from home. But okay, uh, okay. Eric Reynolds is still there and uh, Gary and uh, those guys were are still good friends of mine. Yeah. And um, Kim Thompson's another guy who's passed away, unfortunately, but uh you know yeah anyway. I, I, occasionally, I occasionally do things for them because uh, uh sid jacobson of harvey, harvey comics passed away recently and they went a bit from, from me, me so, so i wrote that, I wrote that up. up so isn't it sad that we're so old now that everybody's dying and yeah <laughs> I still I think, think of myself as a kid. It's like I still smoke pot. I still listen to punk rock. I still draw cartoons. I'm like in. I'm a professional child. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm in denial. I'm 61 years old. Wow. wow. But uh, I don't know. Maybe it's not that old. But it's. It, <laughs> I, I, I still have. I still have hair and I, I still <laughs> have my. Health. I'm thinning, but I am going to be 56 in about three months, so I'm a little bit behind you. So. Not by too much. It goes yeah. by so fast. Yep, yep, yep. yep. yep, yep.
but um, I'm still a cartoonist and I'm still I'm working out of my home. This is my art studio here. I, I, I remodeled my my garage into an art studio and uh, I've been working out of here since the year 2000. Let's talk about Let's a little bit of some of your freelance, freelance things. Thing. Uh, uh, Rolling, Rolling Stone. Stone. Well, that wasn't freelance. Oh, um, oh. Uh, Rolling Stone. Uh, uh, they give the, you some the, award, the, don't they? It, it, this is sort of what made me start thinking about being a freelancer. But okay. like okay. In, in 1996, see, see how long ago this was? <laughs> in, in 1996, um, you know, uh, uh, the, every year Rolling Stone put out the, an issue called the hot issue, like hot actor, hot director, hot author, whatever. Well, in 1996, uh, uh, Cameron Diaz was the hot actress and, and, and uh, uh, she was on the cover and I was the hot cartoonist. And um, it was because Big Mouth was popular. Right, and right. Uh, so uh, that started the phone ringing. And, and that, that's when I started realizing, like, I can't afford to work at Fantagraphics anymore. Um, uh, I, I have, um, I want, I'm wanting to be a cartoonist and an illustrator, and now it's the, the phone's ringing. And so uh, it was kind of frustrating. You know, I, I love Fantagraphics and everything, but still I wanted to be my own thing, really. And um, so Rolling Stone um, uh, was one of the uh, uh, things that uh, pushed me along, you know. So yeah, how did they uh, find out about you? About I mean, you. I mean, from Big Mouth, somebody okay. from Rolling Stone called them. They, they, it was one of their writers was into the comic, okay. and and uh, uh, they interviewed me and uh, put it in the magazine. Okay. It was just a short little blurb. I mean, there's a one image of one of my cartoons, and it was like maybe a you know a quarter of a page or half a page um, in the magazine, but that was enough because it's like uh, at, at that time. Uh, people thought of if you were in a, a a mainstream magazine, that means that you're real. That yeah, means yeah. that it, you're legit. Mm-hmm. So all, all of a sudden, I became legit. <laughs> and uh, you know, and then um, uh, I was in a a, a a shit ton of uh, whoops, pardon my language, but That's a bunch okay, of okay. The, uh, 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 Nickelodeon magazine. Uh, right, they had right. a, a comic section there called the Comic Book, mm-hmm. and um, they were keeping a lot of underground cartoonists uh, uh, alive and yes, um, yes. Uh, Kaz and a whole bunch of people. Yeah. And, and um, so I started doing stuff for that. And, uh, and then uh, uh, National Geographic Kids Magazine was kind of like um, stealing a lot of the Nickelodeon artists. They were even almost <laughs> impersonating a, a Nickelodeon because like I did not just comics, but I did games and puzzles and things like that and so then they uh started cherry picking some of the nickelodeon cartoonists and they said hey could you do a game page for us or could you do so and so uh and, and then highlights magazine got on board you know that you read that at the dentist's office right <laughs> and, and so uh uh i kind of started doing kids kids stuff you know and i was still doing underground comics like uh, uh for you know fanographics anthologies and other magazines but, uh, you know, just mixing it up, you know, with, with underground comics and kids comics, all you really got to do is just don't put any uh, genitalia or bad words in there. You can still draw in the same style and, and, and it would be okay. 
my my cartoons almost have like a a fake innocence to it anyway yeah. you know yeah you know that you know cute kind of and and yeah. uh you know that kind of thing so i was uh well suited to uh to segue into that kind of stuff but i always found, I always that, found amusing that amusing because i would, I would see, see artwork, artwork like, like yours, yours or probably <laughs> saw yours <laughs> In, in things, things like, like Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon and then, and then a, month a month later seeing, seeing something, something in some, some hardcore kind of graphic yeah. <laughs> something like borderline porno yeah exactly <laughs> and it's, uh, like, it's like it's, it's interesting it's all these children's, children's magazines, magazines seek out, the, out the, these intense, intense artists, artists but it might be because they like the art you know they're not worried about the graphics and artists are versatile and stuff um, I never did anything too bad with with porno comics. It's like you're not going to get aroused by anything. I do. <laughs> um, uh, I almost did like a satire of porno. Like yeah, uh, yeah. probably the dirtiest thing I did was uh, fan. Well, not fanographics. Eros, the uh, the the smut side company to fanographics. Right, um, right. They they put out this really cool comic called two live crew comics mm -hmm. and, and two live crew was uh uh this uh uh, uh rap do you remember them they, yeah. they're like yeah. a, a rap band that uh, uh got in trouble for censorship and they they, they had a song called me so horny oh yeah and oh, all, yeah. all their songs were dirty <laughs> and and um so they decided to put out an anti-censorship comic and and they got like jr williams and you know other you know, goofy cartoonists like me to uh, illustrate their songs, but nobody would do me so horny because it was so dirty. And it was like, it was sort of like the, the, uh, uh, I don't know what it was, uh, uh, the, the elephant in the room, but it also was like an albatross, you know? And, and so nobody would do it. And I, I was like, well, I'll, I'll do it. You know? So uh, I, I did that one. And, and I, I made it as cartoony and over the top and ridiculous as possible. Mm -hmm. And then when they, when they reviewed the book um, in the village voice, they took a panel from one of my, um, uh, one of, one of my panels and, and used it in there. And I was like, all right, I'm in the village voice. You know, it was just another big thrill, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, but it, it wasn't really dirty or it wasn't really uh, sexual. It was just like yeah. a, a a goof you know yeah, yeah. and um then uh uh what else see i uh, have yeah. things if i just mention them you might have a memory flock of dreamers oh well that wasn't dirty uh, uh oh i'm not uh, saying dirty stuff i'm just yeah, saying I was just freelance, freelance stuff, stuff you've done, you've done. <laughs> yeah yeah we're talking about the subject of like have i done anything dirty it's like there's well, not very much well, uh, so you i know, figured you covered, you covered it with it me so horny anyway. uh, well uh, eric reynolds put out a book called dirty stories and okay. um i did two pages in that the inside covers and and they were also super goofball mm -hmm. and it almost could be like nickelodeon if it wasn't for the content you know but the, the drawing <laughs> style is the you know but um block of dreamers was um an anthology that had to do with uh, uh people transcribing dreams <laughs> and um uh uh, uh Al, do you know Alexander Zograf, the Serbian cartoonist? I've heard, uh, of, him. 
he did a book for Fantagraphics called Life Under Sanctions, and it was like while uh, the NATO and the USA were bombing the shit out of Belgrade, he was like <laughs> this, this cartoonist over there, you know, doing journalism about it, and yeah. Fantagraphics was publishing it. And um, so he pulled me into that book. Um, there were a bunch of different artists. Crumb was in there and some other folks. And um, so uh, I was just chopping at the bit to like be in anthologies with other established cartoonists because I was trying to get in there. And so uh, that's where, where that came from, that anthology. I forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah. And um, there's a documentary. I mean, this is kind of shifting gears a little bit, but uh, that you appear in called Hooked on Comics. How did that one come about? Oh, uh, Hooked on Comics, uh, I think that was David Moore that put that. Uh, mm -hmm. He uh, uh, was a comics fan, and he was um, uh, into underground comics. And um, in the early 90s, uh, Seattle was kind of turning into a hotbed for music and for comics. Yep. And... Um, so uh, I just happened to move to Seattle right when when Nirvana hit and all that stuff was going on. And, and um, because of my background with uh, 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 music stuff in Minneapolis, then I ended up doing some things for like Sub Pop and Estrus Records up in Bellingham and some of these other small labels. But uh, um, uh, what was I? What, what was the question? It was Hooked on Comics, the documentary. Oh, oh Hooked on Comics. Yeah, David yeah. Moore came up there and he was like uh, trying to document this uh, uh, renaissance in Seattle and, and music and comics. Mm -hmm. And um, so uh, I was just uh, living in Seattle at the time and I was living in a house with a bunch of cartoonists, uh, J.R. Williams and uh, 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 R.L. Crabb. And uh, uh, eventually Jeremy Eaton, and uh, uh, there's a whole like a rotating door of cartoonists that lived in this house. Um, uh, uh, Helena Harvelix was the uh, comics journals uh, editor at the time and stuff. But anyway, they just came to our house and they they interviewed R.L. Crabb in his bedroom. They interviewed <laughs> J.R. Williams in his bedroom, and then they interviewed me in my bedroom. Wow. And, wow. and uh, no, they interviewed me while I was washing the dishes, I think. And, and, uh, <laughs> see this so, again. <laughs> and, and after that got all, after they got the movie all together, um, I don't know why they asked me, but they asked me to do the cover to the VHS tape box. Wow. And, and, um, so, uh, Dale Yarger, uh, the Fanographics art director designed it, but I did the, the illustration on the cover. And then, um, after that, they did another Hooked on Comics focusing on Chicago. Mm. And they asked me to do the cover to that one. And I'm like, I'm not in it. And they said, well, we just, you know, we just want you to. So and, and, then, and then they did another one that was just focused on Tony Millionaire and uh, Dame Darcy. Mm. And they, they wanted me to do the cover to that one. And I'm like, but why? But my, probably more like a, for my graphic design skills, and probably those guys couldn't be bothered <laughs> to, to do it. I don't know. So um, I did all three of the Hooked on Comics covers, and then and then years later, uh, there was another documentary called uh, 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 What's oh, Bazango Bazango Washington, mm. and um, uh. uh 
I was in that one, and that was like another uh, focusing on um, Seattle. Not 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 exclusively, but uh, a lot of it was it, the 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 history of uh, cartooning in Seattle, going clear back to like 1906, and. Wow. Uh, the very first Seattle cartoon character was this guy called Umbrella Man. And he was actually a real person and he wore an umbrella on his head, like a helmet. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, um, there's pictures, there's photographs of him and stuff. Whoop, I'm going blurry. Um, <laughs> and uh, they, they wanted me to do the poster, the movie poster. And um, they wanted uh, Umbrella Man on the poster. <laughs> so uh, uh, this guy was a real person but I guess in the early days, there was this weatherman that worked for the Seattle PI paper, and he was also a cartoonist, and he started putting Umbrella Man on the weather page. And so he kind of became like this spot illustration type cartoon character, and then, and there's been some books he's published and stuff too. But um, long after Umbrella Man died, the cartoon character just kept going on like a zombie he was still people forgot that he was even a real person you know but so i put umbrella man on the, on the poster and uh, uh that was uh but yeah that was a cool documentary too so um i've done a few movie posters that that one behind me derailroaded uh, uh i did i designed it's not a cartoon but i designed that poster it was a documentary about wild man fisher uh, uh, oh yeah uh, oh yeah singer <laughs> and uh, his relationship with Frank Zappa mm-hmm. but uh, uh, I did three minutes of animation that appeared in that movie um, mm-hmm. it was a hallucination sequence um, uh, <laughs> um, uh, uh, he eventually um, was recording music with uh, Bill Bill Mummy the guy oh, yeah. that was oh, yeah. Will Robinson from Lost in Space mm-hmm. well he went on to become a uh, fairly known musician and uh, uh, novelty music and stuff. And he, I recorded and produced a whole bunch of Wildman Fisher stuff and um, really strange stuff. And, and uh, uh, I, I guess Wildman Fisher started having paranoid delusions that like uh, 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 Dr. Demento and, and, and people were trying to kill him and, yeah. and, and, yeah. Uh, and that there were backwards messages in the songs. So they uh, gave me, the filmmakers gave me one of the songs and they said, we want you to uh, animate what's not in the song that Wildman Fisher thinks is in the backwards messages, you know? So uh, it's just a really strange hallucination, but, uh, oh, you got a kitty there. Or is oh, that that's a dog. dog. That's a dog. That's a dog. Oh, that's a dog. Okay. Oh, oh, yeah. Hi oh. there. Hi, Poochie. Hi, <laughs> She wanted she to jump, jump on my lap, but I didn't, I didn't want, want to. to. Oh. So, so I put, put her up, her up, her up a couple seconds, seconds ago. ago. She's, she's a camera hog. Yeah, so she's, hang, anyway. she's hanging out. Anyway. But, uh, but anyway, that was just like one of my earliest animation things was doing that. That was like 2006 or something like that. Okay. I did. Yeah. So, so I, you know, I, I know that I'm a cartoonist, but I've done a lot of graphic design. I've done a lot of... Um, you know, that's from being an art director, you know, and being, uh, uh, having that background. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I'm able to do it. So now typically now, today, typically do, today you do, do you do just artwork, artwork or, or do you do, do a cross section of everything, everything, graphics, graphics and, everything? and everything? Um, I think over the years, sort of like I've kind of become, uh, it's been kind of a slow burn. It's like when I was younger, um, I kind of had to be like a chameleon and I had to like change 
styles to suit the client you know like oh they want this to be realistic or they want something cartoony for this or this is just typographical and, and this is just whatever but like um over the years i've kind of garnered this um reputation for doing like ridiculous detailed illustration work mm-hmm. kind of mad magazine-y kind of yeah. um art so so now uh when people get a hold of me it's because they want some sort of ridiculous Pat Moriarty style drawing. And, and, and they, they, they even like, don't tell me what to draw. They're kind of like, you're the artist, you know, we're not, you know, you do what you, you do what you do. So, so I'm lucky now because like it's by the time they call me, they know what they're getting into. They know that they're going to get something that's um, not very serious. Well, I'm serious as a heart attack about quality and, and, and about the artwork serving a purpose, because that's what graphic design is, is problem right, solving right. for a client. You know, it's got to make someone buy the shirt. It's got to make someone go to the show. It's got to make somebody attend the festival. It's got to make somebody buy the record. It's got to make somebody pick the book, the book off the shelf and be and flip through the pages. So uh, it, it serves a serious purpose. But uh, by the time they get a hold of me, you know, they... They want something ridiculous for me that is going to help their their cause, whatever it is, you know. Now, before we, before went, we on, went on, you were you holding, were up, holding a up a couple thing, things, things here, here, and, and I, was I was just curious, curious what, they, what were. they were. Oh, one thing I was holding up just to see if my camera was working. Yeah, was, that yeah, was, this is a, a, a Serbian punk rock band uh, <laughs> called called Nup. And see, like I've got, like the world is like f- farting in a, a, a nuclear explosion, and um, uh, 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 this kind of came out through Alexander Zograf, the uh, Serbian cartoonist. But uh, 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 they uh, uh, wanted me to do a, a cover for them, and um, so this was back in the '90s, and I did that, and. Uh, Years later, uh, 2012, I got invited to Serbia to participate in a fil- uh, in a, uh, a festival there, a, uh, a comics uh, festival. And I got there and um, I was like, I wonder why, um, what's with, I wonder why they want me to go. And, and when I got there, I realized that uh, uh, NUP was like the, uh, the nirvana of Serbia, you know. They were really well known. They had a whole bunch of records. And um, there are two or three records that looked like they were homages to my to, to my farting world here. And, uh, <laughs> and, and and so people knew who I was from my punk rock covers. Uh, but I didn't even bring it to my art show there. I didn't even I'd forgotten that I'd done some Serbian um, stuff. But uh yeah. Anyway, so so that so 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 that's what that is. Okay. But um, and there's like, know, an like an album you held up or something like that. Yeah, and then uh, another thing I held up when we were testing the camera was probably uh, ball. Yeah, bag. that. Yeah, that. Yeah, and and uh, ball bag is a uh, a punk rock band from Renton, Washington, and uh, <laughs> Bear versus Otter is the name of this. And you can see I took the cheap thrills lettering yeah, from yeah, the, I was gonna uh, say a very, very good drum influence. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just the font. It's just the yeah, font. Yeah. But um that said, I am super influenced by Crumb. Um he told me about the Hunt 102 nib 
and and and, and the, the the Windsor Newton brushes, this red sable and uh, and, and, and Bristol paper and. And, and so I was like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And because, you know, he was like one of my favorite, if not my favorite cartoonists. Yeah. Um, but uh, actually, Ballbag asked me to, to do the Cheap Thrills letter. And it's like, I see. They, okay. They, okay. they asked me to do that. Um, I, I also uh, did a, a, a T-shirt for them um, uh, that just came out here. And, and oh, cool. You know, oh, cool. This is flaming lettering, but it still looks like that record. Right, and I've right. got a, a flaming bowling ball bag, and you can see the uh, the bowling ball was like no. <laughs> but uh, I've done I've done a, a couple of their records. Um, th this is uh, their their first record. Say, uh, say. Ball bag. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's and, cool. And, cool. Yeah, it's got the band in there and stuff and. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But uh, no, on things no, like, things that, like that, that, you just do the, do the artwork, artwork, or do you or actually, actually do the graphic, do the graphic design, design on it as, well? as well? I do everything. Oh, okay. Um, well, one thing I did recently was this CD cover for Neutral Boy, this punk rock band from Bremerton, mm -hmm. and they let me name the album, and they also gave me all the recordings, and they let me name the songs. Oh. So I was like, it was super fast punk rock. And I was listening really close to try to capture a phrase. Like, what did he say? You know, and, and uh, so I got to name all the songs. I got to name the album and I dreamt, dreamt up the image. Wow. And, um, wow. That's like, uh, nobody tells me exactly what to draw. Cause then it kind of like, then it isn't mine, you right. know, it's right. sort of like, uh, you know, but uh, so yeah, I, I, I designed it from scratch. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, this is a new album uh, by uh, Lavender Country, and there, uh, this just came out, and it's been reviewed in Rolling Stone and Spin and Billboard magazine and all that stuff. Um, Lavender Country is uh, known in the they got they're in the Country Music Hall of Fame for having put out the first openly gay country album in 1973. So 73, 73, wow. 73 yeah um, their, their lead singer uh patrick haggerty he's like 78 79 years old and wow. um wow. and so this is their sophomore album it came out 49 <laughs> years later oh wow, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but uh then uh i'm gonna keep making the camera blur if i do this but uh -huh. the von zippers they're a, a punk rock band from calgary canada this is actually mm -hmm. a, a, a gatefold. You know, I, I, I dropped this up too. It's like, you know, can you see all that? Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. It, it's, this is based on the lyrics to one of their songs. The name <laughs> of the album is called The Crime Is Now instead of The Time Is Now. Did you this do the inside, really good inside or just the outside? Yeah. The outside yeah. No, I did oh, the whole okay. thing. Oh, wow. They got, oh, a, wow. Song, they got a song uh, uh, about a cross dressing murderer. And Judy. so uh, I put that in there. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Be, uh, Those are cool. I do a lot of uh, uh, graphic design type stuff. The, this one is, uh, wait, wait for the camera to focus. All right. All right. Um, right. hey, hey Lover is this band from Portland. And this is a giant mural they hired me to, 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 to do. And then the band, they stuck their heads through the holes. I got this giant, this cracking. Oh, wow. It's like oh, wow. it, it's strangling the band. And, <laughs> I thought and, it would uh, just be their heads pasted on. They're like an old 16 magazine, magazine or yeah, something. Yeah, well, you know, I was like, well, why do you, they, they wanted it to do it for real. So, oh, then, wow. um, 
So then the back of the album <laughs> is you can see them sticking their heads through right, it. Right. Like so that. you can like tell that. That, 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 and then the names of the songs. And then on the inside of it, it opens up and it's in Astoria, Washington. Oh, I've been there. Yeah, and, and there they are posing next to the artwork. That's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah, this is a really good punk rock album. So where is that, where artwork, is that now? artwork now? Um, it's in Astoria. Um, it's it's in an indoor skate uh, uh, skating uh, uh, rink or skate, you know, uh, indoor skate, uh, not skate shop, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, a place where you can ride your skateboard inside. And um, so uh, they, they sold it to them. And so it has a home because I was like, what's going to happen to this giant piece of artwork? You know? But uh, I guess that's a, guess question, that's a question on all, on these. all these. I mean, I mean what, happens what happens to the original, the original art on all these, all these albums, albums and stuff? Do you keep it or they keep it? Here's another one by the Weirdos. This is a Bremerton <laughs> punk rock band. This just came out in June, oh. Broken Hungry. And, uh, uh, and there's the back cover. Um, usually what happens to the artwork is uh, there's somebody that's like, you know, uh, I went to that show or I bought that album. And so I want to buy the original artwork, you know. Mm. And, and uh, everything I do is a, a, a black and white pen and ink drawing. And um, so uh, there's an original, you know, usually with digital art, there isn't an original. Right. And it's right. like, who wants to buy an inkjet printout that you can make a million copies of? But if there's just one drawing, then somebody's like, I want that, you know? <laughs> and so um, uh, 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 I sell originals. And if not, I just put them in the archives and I have, you know, occasional art shows and stuff with them. Mm. I have an art show hanging uh, right now for three months up in uh, Polsbo. Uh, and uh, it, yeah, it's up there right now. It's open until it's till, uh, till October. So you kind so of answered the question, question, but, but I'll, I'll ask, ask it again. It again. Uh, do, you do you draw, draw on paper, paper or... or do you draw on the computer nowadays? I draw on paper. Uh, uh, oh, okay. When you draw on a tablet, it's like the line quality all kind of looks generic. Mm -hmm. And it's like I've spent all this time honing my skills with crow quills and <laughs> stuff like that, where it's like I'm good at that. And it's like, why do I want to start over with a, a, a tablet and then have this generic line quality that uh everybody else has you know that's why i can't stand artwork that's been done in illustrator or something because it's like it's so smooth it's almost sterile and and um you know i i think that uh the secret sauce to good artwork is uh imperfection yeah um it's like look at crumb stuff he doesn't have a single straight line <laughs> and and you know it, it, it looks uh it, it's like the uh the art of uh appearing to be casual you know even when you're serious about it you know that if you can make it look casual then it looks like a human made it and it's more relatable if it's too perfect then it, it kind of i don't know it doesn't it doesn't work for me you know it's just, now what do you usually, usually use, use, do you use a, a canvas, canvas or, or what type, what of, type of supplies, supplies or, or inks or whatever, or whatever do you use? well um <laughs> I, I'm not really uh, much of a natural artist, so I always start on typing paper and do a whole bunch Sorry. of, you know, <laughs> shitty uh, uh, sketches that don't work. Like, uh, I, I do like 20 terrible drawings that are really small thumbnails, and then I pick the the, uh, the bingo sketch, 
and then um and then i blow that up a little bit bigger and then i turn on the light table and then i i draw it again on some nicer paper usually it's bristol paper um and uh you know four or five hundred series um strathmore or something or or canson paper whatever i can find that's good paper and um something that'll take an ink line because um, I draw with uh, uh, one of these uh, these nibs. You've probably seen these, you know, I don't know if I can hold it up to the camera, but you know, uh, <laughs> you know, they're really super fine point. This is the Hunt 102 that Crumb told me about. And mm -hmm. so you scratch all the lines on there just like Thomas Nast did in the old days. Mm -hmm. and, and so you need to have good paper that's not gonna bleed like a toilet paper or something and have, you know, the ink. So uh, this this holds a good line on Bristol, and um, so you work I, with I, your brush, brush too, brush or, too or, or just ink? Just ink. Yeah, and no, pen, I've got pen. you know since this is my my workspace, it's like yeah, I've got I've got brushes. Okay. Okay. And I've got nibs, but um, and and, and then I I still use no nobody uses these anymore, but I have uh, rapidograph pens. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And and, and, uh, and 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 I use whiteout. Why wow. wow. yeah, um, I, I make mistakes like crazy and I erase and change my mind all the time. And um, it used to bother me when I had to do that. But now I realize that um, it's not really uh, art or it's not even really done yet until it's got some white out on it. Right. You know? Right. And, and, and I also noticed that, like, if you do too good of a job, then when people want to buy it, they can't tell if it's a print or not, if it's too perfect. Right, if they right. look at it close and they can see some eraser marks and they can see some um, um, uh, uh, indentations where the pencil was there and a little bit of whiteout, then they're like, that's the original. Mm -hmm. you know? and, and what's even better is if you had to like cut out a piece of paper and glue it on top of the part that sucked and draw it again, and they can right, see right. a patch on there, then that's even better. <laughs> they're like, this is, that's the original. They can prove it by looking at that stuff. So, so now if I spill ink on my art or if I have to wipe something out, it's like, oh, okay, whatever. I don't, I, I don't get like when I was younger, I'd be like, oh, damn it. You know? but now it's like, you know. You know, who's the, the king, king of whiteout white was, was uh, Charles, Charles Rodriguez. Rodriguez. He, he used to draw, to draw shut ups for crack and, and uh, he, also uh, he also drew, drew for, for National, National Lampoon. Lampoon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But he'd but like take like it, it on. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing that was really educational for me working at Fantagraphics, I don't think this is the case anymore because artists just send digital images probably. Yeah. But yeah. in the 90s, they sent their freaking artwork to Fantagraphics. And and then like I would be the guy in the dark room shooting stats and, oh, yeah. and, and uh you know doing that stuff. And I got to see up close and personal like, uh, you know, Crumb's artwork and Drew Friedman's artwork and anybody you can think of where I was like looking really close. How did they do that? You know, <laughs> and, and uh, uh, Dan Klaus and Peter Bagg, all those guys, mm -hmm. uh, 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 Roberta Gregory, uh, 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 Sherry Flanagan, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. all these like superstars. I got to see their artwork up close and personal. And um, it took a lot of pressure off because I saw a lot of whiteout. I saw a lot of erasing. I saw a lot of patches. Um, I saw uh, uh, a lot of blue pencil, things like that. 
and and it's like that's what makes it uh, a special uh, piece because you know that stuff they don't expect to be reproduced when it's printed, but you see all these strategies uh, artists have used where they uh, uh, you know pasted the lettering in because they screwed it up the first time or things got edited and they had to change it and things like that. And yeah. so then I learned to like just lighten up. You right. Know. right. When yeah. I first moved here in Eugene Springfield area, they did an they did EC, EC show, show and they and had, they some, had originals some originals of Wally, Wally Wood. Wood. And he, and actually, he actually had, had like, like frames, frames that were exactoed exact out, out, I guess, and replaced, and replaced that way. That way. Yeah. Yeah. And I go, and you would never see, see that looking at a comic book. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. EC was like one of the first publishers where they didn't use hand lettering for the for the balloons. They used a font. Right, right, and and, and uh, you know, uh, I typically hate seeing a font in a comic, yeah. uh, especially Comic Sans. Oh God, <laughs> it's like it'll ruin it. Nobody it's like you, you spent so much time on that artwork, and now you're going to throw some Comic Sans on there, and with, with, with a, like a, a super perfect oval that a computer made. It's like you just and you did this this uh, 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 sincere artwork. Why did you do that? You know, but um, the old EC comics, it's like somehow it works. I think yeah. maybe, I it's that Leroy that lettering that works. I don't know. It yeah. looks creepy, I guess. I, guess. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I thought it was Helvetica rounded or something. But, I've um, heard Leroy, Leroy, but there, might, there be might be two names, names for it. For it. I don't oh, know. yeah, you're, prob you're probably right. You know <laughs> but um, but um, it works for EC. I mean, no, it looks no. good. A lot, a lot of those pieces you showed are in color. So how do you color them? Are those on the computer or do you, what do you do? Almost everything I do starts off as a black and white pen and ink drawing in Bristol, and then um, I'll scan it. And um, I, I, I try to hide any evidence of any computer anything. Mm -hmm. So like I'll, uh, but but when I'm coloring, I'll just use uh, the paint bucket tool, and I'll just use Photoshop, and I'll just put flat colors in there, and um, just you know no gradations and stuff that makes it look computery. Just mm -hmm. but um. I, I, another thing I used to do was uh, I would uh, uh, put the artwork on a transparency and then turn it backwards and then paint the back of the film. And then so the line work is on the other side and the, and the paint is on the back. So then you can get inside the lines and get good fills. And um, so like uh, uh, I did a lot of covers for uh, 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 the Tijuana Bible uh, uh reprints yeah um yeah. Uh, uh michael dowers from starhead was doing bluesy tunes and collected uh tijuana bibles and just like the uh the two live crew thing like it's like people were like i don't want to do the cover to that those are the dirtiest comics ever it's like i don't want to be associated with that but i'm like yeah but it's like it's popeye and it's blondie and dagwood and stuff and it's like it's historical so uh um i did the covers to those and i would paint on the back of the film um, for those but these days uh sometimes i'll paint but mostly i'll use photoshop for color because i like a uh uh ink i like pen and ink drawings and i like that that's i'm getting good at that you know and pen and ink <laughs> drawing is what i'm what, what, what i'm basically known for so uh i try to stick with that and then just use color as a uh the artwork needs to work in black and white and then the color is like frosting or it's like the uh that you know extra the, the, it's it's right, extra right. 
but it has to work in black and white first or I won't or won't color it. It's like I've got to make sure that I don't know why I think like that, but maybe it's from being an underground <laughs> okay, cartoonist. Okay. Yeah. One thing I didn't, thing ask, I didn't you ask you about is, is you had a you had comic, comic strip, strip at one point. point. It's a, a loop-de-loop. Loop. Yeah, loop-de-loop. Loop. Um, <laughs> that goes back to the music scene. And in uh, uh, the 90s and before I showed up to Seattle, but there is this music paper in Seattle called The Rocket. And lots of... Uh, 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 well-known um, designers and illustrators uh, contributed to the rocket. Art Chantry is probably the biggest name for the designers. And um, Dale Yarger worked for the rocket too. And, uh, and, and lots of illustrators like Mark Zingarelli and Michael Dugan and people like that did artwork. And um, during the, the, the uh, last three years of the rocket, um, they had a comic section in the back. And, and, and um, I did a, a one panel gag, uh, uh, music related usually uh, stuff for that uh, uh, paper. And so, uh, you know, it came out every, every two weeks. And so, you know, I had to come up with a, a gag for, uh, you know, for that issue uh, every time. And uh, I ended up doing about maybe a, maybe 100 or 150 of those. And um, then in the year 2000, I believe, the rocket uh, uh, ceased to exist. It, uh, it just disappeared. As a matter of fact, um, I did the last official cover to the rocket mm. that was distributed, and I never did get paid for it. They didn't announce anything. They just stopped. Stop. And, <laughs> and, 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 and um, you know... Uh, there was one more issue that came out where they only printed like 200 of them and they didn't really get distributed. They just got handed out to their friends and stuff. But, uh, and I did a strip in that one too, but uh, loop to loop. Um, I've never posted any of the artwork from that and I've never done anything with it, but uh, there is uh, plans. This uh, uh, Fogland studios, Fogland uh, publishing is uh, collecting those strips and i'm going to have a, a a book of that soon so that'll be fun well that leads yeah. to me well, to, to probably, me to probably my my final, final question, question. <laughs> there's still that weird, weird echo, echo if i sound funny i know maybe it's on me it's not it's in my head anyway um what are you working on now and what can we look forward for you from you in the next year or so Maybe if I turn the volume down, the echoing will go back, go away. Maybe like my microphone is picking up your. That's uh, probably what it is. Oh, that's perfect. Of course, it's the end of the show before we're doing this, but that's okay. <laughs> oh well, you can ask me more stuff. But yeah. but what was your question? Uh, okay, starting again, take two. Um, basically, uh, you know, you, you said that that's going to be collected into a book, the the uh, loop, the loop, the loop stuff. Strip. So yeah. it just leads me to ask, what should we expect from you in the next year? You showed some recent record albums. Well, What's coming up book-wise or otherwise from you in like the next year or so that you can talk about? Oh, what am I working on right now? God, I've got like a checklist of stuff. I get anxious when I start thinking about it. But um, uh, uh, I just did a, uh, an album cover for a comedy album. Um, there's a, a, a comedian from Olympia, Washington, and his name is Sam Miller. And um, he uh, uh, 
recorded uh, his debut comedy album at the Capitol Theater in Olympia. And uh, he's on Stand Up Records. And Stand Up Records is in uh, Minneapolis. And uh, uh, I've done a little bit of work for them. I did a cover for Dylan Mandelson. And I actually did an animated short for them, too. And and I also did, uh, speaking of Stand Up Records, that's that's the I did these yep. bumper stickers. I think I have like one a, of those, actually, because I met the guy who runs Stand Up Records. Oh, you know, Dan? Yeah. Um, his, his car was just... One. <laughs> his car was just stolen today oh i found out because um i just finished this uh sam miller's uh, uh cover and and uh sent it to him and he said you know give me a minute uh someone stole my car i'm, I'm a little bit busy right now so um i kind of feel bad about that right now but i got uh that uh there's uh uh uh, a, a band uh, uh, called Face the Sun that I'm doing um, some artwork for. Uh, uh, um, I, I just did the poster to the Poles Bowl Film Festival in October, and um, I have a, I, I have some commissions to do. Um, I try to contribute to Mineshaft Magazine. Are you familiar with Mineshaft? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I haven't been in the last couple of issues because I've been so uh, preoccupied, but um, uh, th that's where I'll like, do comics uh, for them. Uh, 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 Ev Rand uh, uh, and, and his wife, uh, Joya, are the main brains of that publication. But, uh, you know, Crumb is in there and, and Spain was in there before he passed away and Jay Lynch was in there and Bill Griffith and, and all these people I admire sometimes I feel like I'm one of the younger people. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, so I, I'm sure I'll do some more stuff for Mineshaft. Mm -hmm. And um, there, there, I, I'm always, uh, I'm working on a, a, a cover for um, a single uh, by uh, Jack Harberger's uh, Celebrity uh, Telethon is the name of his band. Uh, and I'm doing something for them. And um I have uh, another animation project where uh, I was hired to write the script and storyboard the thing. And um, so then they had to get a sponsor to pay for it uh, because uh, it's expensive to do animation. But I found out recently that they got the funding. So um, um, I don't want to talk too much about it because I'll no. jinx it. And I hate talking about something before it's done because yeah. then if it doesn't happen, I look like a big liar. That's why I said, so, talk uh, about the things you could talk about. You don't have to talk about yeah, stuff yeah. you're not sure of or it's well, well, still Well, I just hush, don't hush. want to jinx it. I yeah, exactly. It. I, I know what you yeah. mean. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, posters, record covers, T-shirt designs are always happening. And I have That's a... Cool. a I, I have a checklist here. Let, let, here I'll, I'm going to open up my checklist here. <laughs> Sam Miller covers done. Uh, the celebrity telethon thing is about to happen. Oh, I'm doing Lavender Country's 50th anniversary poster. Hmm. Um, I've got somebody that's paying me a good amount of money to draw their dog, but uh, that uh, <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> but they don't want a straight. They don't want a straight portrait. They said they we want you to make a really ridiculous Pat Moriarty version. So you know. And then um, there's a singer named Kimberly Hillstad, and I'm doing a logo for her. I'm doing a logo for Sci-Fi Western. I'm doing a logo for Face the Sun. That's all music 
Um, there's a, a, a music event called Olala Palooza. I'm doing something for them. Um, and then, oh, uh, here's another project. Uh, 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 have you heard of the Gits? Yeah. They're a punk rock band from the 90s. Yeah. Uh, Mia Zapata was, she's passed away. She was their lead singer. Well, their drummer, his name is uh, Steve Moriarty. We're not related. Mm. We don't even spell our names the same way. But uh, <laughs> he's writing a memoir about his life uh, or about his his time with the Gits. Mm -hmm. And um, their lead singer was murdered. I don't know if you know this, but she was like the first DNA solved case in the United States. Yeah. Um, it took 10 years to find her killer. But yeah. he said, everyone always associates the gits with this murder. But like we did shows with uh, uh, Nirvana and the yeah. Dead Kennedys and Black Flag. And we have, we did, and, and Mia was so funny and she was such a goofball and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So he uh, wrote this memoir and um, I illustrated uh, three chapters in comics format for his book. And then I did spot illustrations for some of the other chapters. So that's a book that he's wrapping up that I've contributed to. Cool. And then another book that this is a comics related thing is, uh, you know, Frank M. Young, he did the Carter family book with David Lasky. Mm -hmm. uh, and he writes a lot for the comics journal and mm -hmm. he's a, a pretty well-established uh, writer and cartoonist. The two of us uh, co-wrote a uh, graphic novel in all ages, graphic novel. Okay. and uh called city cat hmm. and uh so um we co-wrote it and i'm gonna draw it and i've i've drew i've drawn about a dozen pages of it but uh it's kind of a slow going project because it's one of those uh you don't get paid until it's done kind of thing wow. you know you know <laughs> you, no one hired us to make a graphic novel i don't think does anybody get hired to do a graphic novel um <laughs> but uh uh so someday you know that will surface and that'll be cool mm -hmm. and uh yeah anyway off the top of my head that's some stuff that's brewing cool any uh now that the pandemic's kind of freeing up or any shows you're attending or anything like that well i was just at a uh an event yesterday uh uh called the the uh bigfoot boogie uh uh block party and uh, that was just yesterday. And uh, my son's band played and I set up a table and a bunch of other people were there. And I got this art show thing going on in Polsbo. Right. And um, then when that's done, I'm going to have another art show. Uh, I've got these two giant quilts of my T-shirt designs. Well, 65 of my T-shirt designs. Um, I have like an 80 year old um, auntie that's like a, a professional quilt maker and she's super good and i never wear my own t-shirts because it's too self-absorbed and it's kind of embarrassing so i'm like i have all these t-shirts piling up and i'm like what should i do so uh, uh i sent her the shirts and she made these two giant quilts and wow. um so uh i'm gonna uh have uh, an exhibition of those two quilts at this uh silk screen place that has art shows that does a lot of my shirts and, and sell t-shirts well, that's so more that's art in the family i mean is everybody in your family artistically inclined um my brother kelly is a better artist than me he's wow. younger than me but he's not as motivated as i am um 
but uh, he's a drummer and he's uh, in a, a, a band in Iowa. Uh, my brother, Mike, uh, 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 just retired from the University of Iowa, but he ran the video department for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Hmm. Um, so he went to all their football games and all their basketball games and supervised the shooting of all the games and edited all their highlight films and everything. So he's, you know, visual guy. And like I said, my dad was a cartoonist. Right. My mom retired from uh, being a graphic designer. And uh, then I have cousins and, and nieces and nephews that are all artists too. So oh. nobody in my family is impressed that I'm an artist at all because I'm just <laughs> another one, you know? Uh, so, yeah. I have a friend, I won't name their name to embarrass them, but uh, th they have a similar family to you, except they themselves cannot draw <laughs> It's like my dad can draw, my mom can draw, everyone else can draw, but I can't move a pen, well, <laughs> you know. Um, I, I, I think that um, uh, uh, talent is a myth. Yeah. I think that it has to do with uh, blood, sweat, and tears yeah. and struggle because um, I was brainwashed into thinking I was a cartoonist since I was a little kid. It wasn't until years later that I realized that the only reason I think I'm a good artist is, or if I am, is because I just drew all the time and just learned. Yeah. And and I I really hate it when someone comes up to you and then just says, "Oh, I wish I had your talent." Oh yeah. I still yeah. wish, but like, oh yeah, I didn't earn any of it. It was just bestowed on me by the heavens, and I didn't have to do any work. It's yeah. like it so downplays the effort that yeah. an artist has to make you know you have to isolate yourself and you have to make trial and error and 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 you know it's not just given to you mm -hmm. and, and i don't like it when people act like well you just have this magic thing that you're luckily lucky to have yeah. it's like uh i'm not that good i just had to struggle and i still struggle yeah that's why i do 20 terrible sketches before i even come up with a good idea right <laughs> <laughs> i stumble into it but at least you, I would assume you enjoy doing what you do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I yeah. do enjoy it. Um, I'm yeah. kind of OCD on the cross hatching. I've probably like <laughs> uh, ruined a couple of pictures by overdoing it. Oh, well. And um, well. but uh, uh, I'm a reclusive person. I'm kind of antisocial. Um, mm -hmm. I have social skills. I just don't like to use them. <laughs> you know, um, uh, right. I, I'm, I'm happy to stay home and work on artwork. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nothing wrong yeah. with that, especially if you're turning out good products. So, you know, <laughs> and then with the pandemic, I think I probably have Stockholm syndrome now. And I'm just like so used to staying home that now going out into the world seems a little bit intimidating, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, you know, I tend to write, even though I can draw, I tend to write more. And when the pandemic happened, it didn't bother me at all. In fact, I started writing even more, which is part of the reason why I took on a bunch of book projects. And, you know, it's like now that things are sort of going back to normal, it's like I can't I'm not as productive because now I'm going out and doing things and seeing people. And other stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm still pretending like there's a pandemic and I'm still sort of just, you know, staying home all the time. Right. And, and I'm still a little bit suspicious about COVID because I still keep hearing about people getting it. Right. Um, it's not as uh, deadly as it was, but it seems like it's more contagious. Right. And um, I don't want to get it. I don't want to get it. I just, yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. 
And but but my, um, I'll, I'll eventually get out. I'll, uh, you know, I'm getting more social. <laughs> get out. No. <laughs> anyway, I, I don't right. go to Seattle as much because um, it's expensive uh-huh. and there's more homeless people around. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm in Port Orchard, which is 14 miles away west, the way the crow flies across okay. the Puget Sound. And it's like Mayberry. It's like you can see the Space Needle from <laughs> Port Orchard across the water or from uh, Manchester across the water. But uh, it's like two different planets. It's like a small town and a big town. And if mm-hmm. I want to get on the ferry and go to the show box and see a show and then come back home, it's possible. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I like the being from Iowa. Um, I kind of going back to my small town roots, I guess. And I just like mm-hmm. having privacy and stuff. Right. I um, went up in your area once, but not, I don't know if I went through your town, but uh, is there one called like Kentville or something like that? Does that sound Well, there's right? Kent, Washington. Kent, maybe that's it. Yeah. And, uh, but I never went to Seattle proper. It was like on the outskirts of, of yeah. town. A lot of people I, are bailing now. You're probably yeah. not missing much. Um, <laughs> there's people that have been moved down to, uh, like Peter Bag moved down to Tacoma mm. and, um, uh, but also I hear now that even Tacoma is starting to suck. I don't know if it's true or not, but uh, 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 Seattle is so expensive for artists and musicians that I think people are kind of going to the outskirts, like uh, Jim Blanchard moved up to Bellingham, mm. and uh, there's people that are down in Olympia and uh, kind of like in the outskirts. And, and also Kitsap County, where I live, is getting weirder by the moment because yeah. uh, uh, musicians and artists are coming out here and it's kind of like a bedroom community to seattle because you can jump on the ferry and go to seattle and work downtown and then get back on the ferry and come home right and get out of town kind of similar with oregon you know portland was kind of reasonable even 10 years ago and now it's crazy yeah portland's kind of scary too yeah Yeah. and so i like it where i am (laughs) in the eugene springfield area so Springfield, yeah. isn't that where the Simpsons is supposed to be? It is, yeah. And yeah. Matt Groening actually said it was ten years ago. I just saw this uh, because it's an art museum uh, exhibition about it. Uh, there's a big mural down here. Of course, there's a lot of phony murals. You should come down here and paint one. <laughs> uh, but uh, the real one that was actually commissioned by Groening and everything, and he showed up and everything like that. He said, yeah, I've said Springfield is a mystery place, could be anywhere, but I will officially say, because I am from Oregon, that it is Springfield, Oregon. So, Yeah, yeah, that's great. You know, you look a little bit like Matt Groening. <laughs> you look like a blend between Matt Groening and Kim Thompson. Hmm. You know, they're your hairstyle, and, but a younger version of both yeah. of those guys. I've met, I've met Matt. Matt. I've never, I've met, never met Kim, Kim. I don't think. I'm trying to think. <laughs> yeah. I met Gary Groff many times. times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just saw him recently because there was an event at the Fanographics bookstore called Hot Off the Presses. Yeah. And it's another thing where you could set up a table and sell your, 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 your goods. And um, so I'm still, uh, you know, going to Fanographics bookstore a lot and seeing, uh, you know, other cartoonists that live around there. 
The last time I saw Gary, I told you there was an EC show and it was uh, 2016 when I first moved up here and he came down and uh, Bill Shelley, who's passed away too, we're talking about a lot of people that are gone, had just written a book about Harvey Kurtzman. So that was their big book at the time that they're promoting at that show too. So, you know. Cool. Well, if you next time you come up here, you should go to the Fanographics bookstore if you haven't been there before. I have not. So It's, it's in Georgetown. It's a great store. <laughs> oh that's such a cute dog you got back here <laughs> that's, that's me she doesn't, she doesn't like it like when she's, she's not the star of the show <laughs> oh yeah I, i'm stealing her thunder <laughs> well um uh, it's been it's great been talking, talking to you you had a very illustrious, illustrious and i hope it continues, continues career. career well i'm and, not dead yet and i have to pay yeah, the bills yeah. so i gotta keep going and yeah. maybe we'll get another piece in Mad to tie it into what we started off with, you know. Yeah, maybe Susie Splab will see this and she'll go, "Oh yeah, that guy." And <laughs> and and I'll get back in there. It'd be but, neat uh, if, they, if, they, anything, if anything, they are yeah. doing new covers. Maybe you can get a cover idea. Yeah, yeah. You know, since you've done covers of other publications, you just mentioned on this show. Yeah, yeah. But also occasionally, I saw that you interviewed Dick DiBartolo. Yeah. And I also, um, when I first uh, found out that you wanted to interview me, I was like, "What? What's he? What's he doing?" So I looked at your <laughs> site and I, I watched a Sherry Flanagan's interview yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, looked at some of the other. And so I was like, "Oh, I, this is going to be fun." Yeah, I got yeah, Peter Bag on here, uh, Tom Richmond on here. Uh, you mentioned a couple other people that I've had on here. Um, Let's see, but I, I've I, never I've met Crum because he was in France when I had to contact him once. But we did a, an article uh, years ago about uh, his weirdo publication. And somebody gave me his email and I reached out to him and I said, is he going to answer because he's in France? He doesn't know who I am. And it took he's him a long nice guy. Yeah, it, it, it took him a long time, but he wrote these lengthy answers for me. It was the greatest email I've ever gotten. Yeah. And so it was like he was sitting right in front of me, just giving long answers about everything for the weirdo. He, he, he presents himself as a curmudgeon, but really yeah. there's a, a, a heart of gold in there. Yeah. He's a good guy. Yeah. So, so he was very helpful. Very helpful. I'm, I'm very impressed. So <laughs> anyway. Yeah, um, maybe you'll get him someday. Yes. <laughs> he is busy and he's yeah. 80 years old now, I think. Yeah. He just had a birthday. Yeah. And hopefully he keeps going, you know, it's like, you know, <laughs> he's doing stuff for Mineshaft and he isn't yeah. getting any worse. He's just going on and on and on, you know, yep, it's yep, inspiring yep. to see that, you know, mm -hmm. it tells me I've got at least 20 more years in me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, know, I other know other people, you may not know them, but, uh, like Frank Hill just turned 93. He used to draw for Dennis the Menace comic books for Hank Ketchum and things like that. Uh, Al Jaffe was like just retired and he yeah, was like he, almost 100. I think, yeah, he I think he's 101 now. So. Yeah. Yeah. He's still alive. I bet he's yeah. still doing artwork. Yeah. And then um, Sergio Aragonis. Yeah. He's 85 he's now. Stuff for Mad. Yeah. It's yeah. like, so that's just, that's great. Yeah, and even supposed youngsters like uh, Jim Steranko, he's in his 80s now, you know, <laughs> things like that. It's amazing, you know. All right, well, I thank you, Pat, for being a special guest. Um, we can appreciate have you back your interest. If, you know, you anytime anybody's interested, it's like it kind of a, a kick in the pants for me because, um, like I said, I work in isolation and I don't really know what's going out there or if anyone's paying attention. 
Yeah. So I well, I love artists. I love artwork. I love comic books. You know, I I try to feature all types. You know, kid comics, adult comics, superhero comics. You know, anything. That, What's your favorite? Oh, my favorite is probably like kid comics. I like Harvey stuff. You know, Archie and stuff like that. But I when I was a kid, that was all about Casper and hot stuff and little dot and um uh uh hot stuff. Yep. all that all, all that stuff was my uh, favorite uh, harvey harvey comics yeah. yeah so totally versed in that i did a book about their history it's 700 pages long wow 30 years of research so yes i love harvey comics well if you do this book about mad uh you know put no. me on the last page maybe i'm worth a sentence exactly oh and pat yeah the last idiot yes all right. Well, I, you know, I looked on Doug Guilford's, who was guest too, Doug Guilford's Mad cover site. Uh, you did two pieces in Mad, number six and number nine, is according to what it said in there. So, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, but hopefully you'll get something else and something soon, and uh, you know, we'll see you again in Mad or definitely all the other projects you're working on. If uh, if you're uh, in touch with me on Facebook, I always post. Um, things i'm working on you know okay. i don't keep up on my website too much uh, patmoriarity.com is my website mm -hmm. and that has my email address and it has links to my animated shorts and um some other things but um i'm very uh negligent on updating it but on facebook almost every day i throw something up there so right. if right. you're i'll keep you posted Okay. Well, I want to thank you for being a guest again, Pat. And again, this is Mark Arnold, and I thank you for joining me for another Fun Ideas podcast, and we'll see you next time. So long. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Pat Moriarty, for being my special guest. Remember, you can always watch the video version of this episode on YouTube. Episode 186 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas Podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2022. Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you, and good night.